the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Well, tonight's word is called the Word of God with Boldness. <laughs> We're in a Part six, the word of God with boldness, because we're in a series called Acts Right, because we're going through the book of Acts. In fact, you might as well go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts. We'll be there most of the night in chapter four. Learning how to act right. <laughs> you know, before I met the Prince of Peace, I was like the king of road rage. <laughs> For years, I made that commute to Memphis, Tennessee, and all that crazy traffic. But y'all can rest assured, it's been years since I've pulled over and threatened to whoop anybody now. <laughs> I remember one trip, and this is after I got saved. In particular, I was getting off on the off-ramp onto Union Avenue from the expressway. And I hear this, and a truck whips past me on the off-ramp, passes me on, and I'm like, <laughs> I, I, but by this point, I knew to take a deep breath, you know, count to 10. <laughs> I didn't call down fire or anything, you know, though I wanted to. I may have bent the steering wheel a little bit, <laughs> but as, as he came to a stop in front of me, I noticed he had this really nice customized truck, probably a $10,000 paint job, you know, just really shiny paint. And one of the, you could tell he really cared about his truck. And what he didn't know was he was carrying a bed rail in the back of it, one of those metal ones, and it had come loose, and one of them was swinging within inches of his tailgate. Guess what I did? I'll tell you later. <laughs> I will tell you later. Meanwhile, let's get into Acts. Chapter 4. Uh, if you're at verse 1, say amen. amen. We, you know, we've been discussing John and Peter. They healed the guy at the gate beautiful. They said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give thee in the name of the Lord Jesus. Arise and walk. They lit, lifted him up, and he went about leaping and praising God, and he gathered a whole bunch of people there, you know. And uh, Peter, you know, with his newfound humility, I think, you know, when he denied Christ, I think that broke Peter a little bit. You know, it went and said he, he went and wept bitterly, and, and when re Jesus restored him, I think that Peter that we saw uh, before he denied Christ is a different Peter after. And so I think there's a newfound humility in Peter. I think there's a Peter now that's filled with the Holy Ghost. Because it's been the day of Pentecost since Jesus went back to heaven, right? Now he's been filled with the Holy Ghost. Peter is on fire. I mean, the first thing he does after he gets filled with the Holy Ghost is comes down and, and preaches a message and 3,000 souls get saved. And so Peter notices this crowd has gathered together because of this healing. They're all crowding around him thinking, this is the guy that healed the guy. We need to make him king. You know, they were wanting to give Peter the credit, but Peter in his newfound humility, no, 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 don't put that on me. It wasn't in Peter's name this guy got healed. It was in the name of the Lord Jesus. And he, he sees the crowd, so instinctively now Peter, when he sees a crowd, jumps up on his hickory stump and says, boy, let me tell you what. <laughs> he begins to preach every time he sees a crowd. He's got this newfound boldness. Say boldness. boldness. See, that's our word tonight. What I say the message title was? Word of God with boldness. People taking notes. Wow. All right, so he's looking for opportunities to share the love of Jesus. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Are, are we looking for opportunities 
I know one of the ways that I can tell if I'm walking in the Spirit or if I'm just walking in the old guy, Sheffield, the old flesh, me, you know, the old selfish me, the one dictated by my wants and desires instead of God's wants and desires. If I'm walking in me, man, I'm thinking about getting my stuff done. I've got an agenda. I ain't even looking. People are just something in my way. They're just a bag of bones and skin, and you need to get out the way because I'm next in line. You know, I can be like that. If <laughs> That's why we need Wednesday night service, right? A midweek boost. But if we're walking in the Spirit, we're thinking about the things of God, we're reading the Bible, we're praying, I tell you what, it's a little bit different. We're looking for opportunities to minister to people. If I'm looking for an opportunity to minister to people, I know that I'm walking tight with the Lord. When is the last time that you walked in a Walmart and started thinking to yourself, God, if there's anybody in here that I can minister to? If there's, you know, that's the way, that's, that's the way we need to be. We need to have that mentality, looking for opportunities like Peter, to jump up on a hickory stump. In verse 1 of our text, and we'll stay here most of the night, not on verse 1, but of on Acts 4. While, while Peter and John were speaking to the people, they're preaching their message, they were confronted by the priest, the captains of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. Oh no, here we go again. The same people who condemned the Lord Jesus to die on the cross, right? This same group is at it again. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus... There is resurrection from the dead. Just like today in today's society, the religious people and the non-religious people are very disturbed any time the name of Jesus is spoken. Have you noticed that? They can't take it. They've got to put a halt to it. Don't be praying in that. You can pray all you want, but don't pray in that name. Don't say that name and you'll be good. In verse 3 it says, And they arrested them. And since it was already evening, they put them in jail to the mo- until the morning. Talking about false imprison- <laughs> imprisonment, what had they done? Preached the gospel. No, there was no probable cause, no Miranda rights, no phone calls, nothing. Of course, they didn't have the freedoms that we have enjoy today. I guess if you were a leader back then, you could just arrest anybody for any old charge. But that's what they did. They threw them in jail for the night. Verse 4 says, but many of the people who heard their message believed it. I mean, they ain't even got through with the message. They're interrupted. But many of the people who heard the, what they had preached believed it. And so the number of men who now believed totaled about 5,000. So it looks like 2,000 2, more have been added since Pentecost because of the boldness and the preaching of this Peter. Peter's on a tear. You're talking about how to grow a church? <laughs> Expand the kingdom of God? I see three things that... Three keys to growing the church, to, for expanding the kingdom of God in this. It's humility, first of all, right? Peter has a newfound humility. He has love. And third, he has boldness. Humility, love, and boldness is the way we're going to grow this church. Are you listening? Okay, can you just have humility and love and leave the boldness out and grow this church? No, because you, you might love on people, but you'll never tell them to come to church or you'll, you'll never share the gospel. Nobody will ever get saved. You won't have boldness. Can you just have humility and boldness? No, because you won't have the love to tell them with. You won't care about anybody else. Why share a message? You know, they ain't going to do nothing for me. Okay, can you have love and boldness, but no humility? <laughs> you may, but you'll have a whacked out church before it's over with. <laughs> you have a lot of churches expressing love, you know, and they have the boldness to tell about Jesus, but if you've got some superstar pastor or people doing it just for the wrong reasons and egos and all that stuff, you're headed for a fall. You don't have the character to sustain a church. You're not the kind of church that Jesus is building. So what are they? Humility, love, and boldness. Those are the three things that I see Peter operating in. He's grown the church of Jesus Christ from 120 disciples in the upper room to 5,000 in just a short few weeks. 
That's the way to do it. All right, verse 5. The next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other relatives of the high priest, the same crew that was in on the, the Jesus fiasco. I don't want you to be deceived. Just as these guys are meeting to plan how they're going to stop people from preaching in the name of Jesus, it's going on in America today. All around the world, dark forces and their ignorant masses that, who will follow the dark forces don't want to hear the name of Jesus preached, and they're trying to find out ways to stop us. And they're doing it here in America. In fact, last time we were witnessing down at the South, the South Haven Mall, you know, we had a, a day where we went out there and witnessed some days. I would go out in the parking lot in front of marshals and stuff and, and minister to people as they're coming in and out of their cars and stuff and ask them do they need prayer. And then we would start a conversation then get into the salvation gospel message and, and see if they were saved and try to, you know, show them the way, share the gospel with them and stuff. And, and I remember one day, uh, probably last year, uh, some, somebody from Marshalls came out in their little Marshalls shirt and they asked me, could I move down? They don't want us scaring their people in the parking lot. And, and so it's a big parking lot. And so I, I'm not confrontational. I'm, I'm like, sure, I'll just move down if it'll make you feel better. I didn't want, you know, it's not worth fighting over. I can go down here and minister. And plus, you know, I probably shouldn't have been meeting people at their doors and stuff. You know, I could... Maybe I was doing it, you know, maybe I was intimidating folks or something. So I learned my lesson from it, moved on down. But last time we went, it was me and Dorinda was working in front of Marshall's Tom and somebody else was working down in front of the office supply place. And me and Dorinda decided we were going to sit on the sidewalk to minister. And as people were coming in and out of Marshall's, we would minister to them, we'd shake their hand, we'd be laughing and praying together before it's over with. It's, it's, it's not really hard to witness to people. It's really just sharing good news, and everybody wants to hear good news. If you present it in the right way, there's no reason you have to be confrontational. There's no reason that anybody has to hate on one another or there has to be any bad blood. And in fact, we were, just, we were just loving on folks, weren't we? Well, then here comes this, and here comes this South Haven police cruiser. As soon as it showed up and drove by at about two miles an hour and gave us the stank eye, <laughs> I knew that marshals had called and complained that we were out there probably witnessing. And so South Haven drove by real slow, and uh, <laughs> but see, thank goodness, the South Haven police chief, Pirtle, he's a good godly man. He's a good godly man, and I know most of his force is good godly people. We live in the Bible Belt. These are church-going folks, most of the police officers. Anyway, but he drives around two or three times, then he kept coming back around. And I believe he was just watching to see what we were doing. Are we soliciting? Are we doing something illegal, trying to sell something out of their, in front of their store? No, we weren't selling a thing. We were giving away for free. The love of Jesus. I the, <laughs> yeah. I he might have been. He might have been. Uh, but, I, but he went and parked out there and just, just watched us for a while. And I believe the reason was he was trying to see if there was any cause to remove us because the, I think they had been called on us. But I just want to let you know, we're not far. We're in the Bible Belt. If that happens in the Bible Belt, imagine what's happening in Dearborn, Michigan or somewhere else in the, in the United States. We, we are living in perilous times. I know we... We like to just act like it's not going to happen here, but persecution is coming. And so we have to know what we're going to do now. Why do we have to know what we're going to do now? Because we have to prepare our hearts to know how much Jesus means to us now because Jesus says, He who endures to the end shall be saved. So we need to be planning. If our latter times or filled with persecution, are, are we ready? Are we preparing ourselves for the day that's coming? Jesus warned us about this. John 15, 18. If you want to turn there. <coughs> I'm sorry. John 15, 18. 
says, if the world hates you, remember it hated me first. Who are we talking about when we say the world? Who is Jesus referring to? Those in the kingdom of darkness. Those who haven't been enlightened. Those who haven't been translated into his kingdom. Those who don't know him. When he talks about the world, he's often talking about the world system. Not so much the people, but the way the world does business. The lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And uh, what is it? The lust of the flesh, thank you. Lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and the lust of the eyes. That's what, in one scripture it says, that's what the world offers. You know, how much can I get? Selfishness, self, the world's way, greed, the, the world system. If the world hates you, remember it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belonged to it, but you are no longer part of the world, or are we? That's something you'll have to ask yourself. I choose, chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally, they will persecute you. If they had listened to me, they would listen to you. They will do all of this because of me, for they have rejected the one who sent me. Jesus is saying, they didn't receive me because they don't really love the Father. The love of the Father is not in them. They're of their father, the devil, he says in one spot. Anyway, John 16, 1 says, I have told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. So he's telling the disciples, get ready. Persecution is coming. And I'm telling you these things so that you can be prepared so that you won't abandon your faith when they come. You know, now is the time to prepare for the storm. Now is the time to get your faith right. Not in the midst of a situation where emotion may take over. I've told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. For you will be expelled from the synagogues. And a time is coming when those who kill you think they're doing a holy service for God. Those who kill you think they're doing God a favor. Wow. Well, that would never happen. Oh, it's happening all around the world right now. Muslim, Muslim extremists are killing Christians thinking they're doing God a favor. Right now. It's happening. And as we let our borders go, and we don't, we just say, everybody come on in. We don't care if you love our American freedoms and our American way of doing life. You, you know, just let every culture come in and, and change the way we do America. If it's happening over there, guess what? It's about to happen over here. Those people will soon be in office. And their way of America is a totally different view of one nation under God. Okay? So, get ready. I'm not telling you get ready. Jesus is telling you get ready. Verse 3, this is because they have never known the Father or me. Yes, I'm telling you these things now so that when they happen, you will remember my warning. And I hope you'll be prepared. If we cower in fear to the world and we keep quiet so as not to lose our worldly status. You know, some of us still care about what the world thinks about us. We have a fear of man, and it brings a snare to us. We're concerned about what other people think about our Christ Christian witness. We don't say what we ought to say. We're scared that they'll, you know, think we're some holy rollers or something. I am. I'm a holy roller. Proud of it. I'm a Jesus freak. I'm a Jesus nut. I'm not ashamed of it at all. They say, say Christianity is just a crutch. Well, I recognized I needed a crutch. <laughs> what does it say about your faith if you care more about what they think than what God thinks? Man, I'm preaching real hard. I'm sorry. But it's because I love you. It's boldness. It's Holy Ghost boldness. It's the love of Jesus compels me. 
John said in 1 John 2.15, Do not love the things of this world or the things that it offers you, for when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Jesus said you can't serve two masters. You can't love me and love the world too. You can't love the, mo the money in the world system. You've got to make up your mind. Who are you going to follow? Of course, we love the people in the world. For God so loved the world, meaning the people in the world, you know, that he was willing to give everything. We just don't love the world's ways. The world's system. Back to our text, verse 7. So they've got the disciples in jail. Then they bring in the two disciples and demand them, by what power or whose name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I like that they notated that. Not just regular old plain Peter that we used to know, but the new improved Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said to them, and I love this, this new bold Peter says, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. Man, he's telling them straight to their face. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And there is no salvation in no, uh, there's salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. I love that. An incredible statement for Peter. In one, almost in one breath, he presents the entire gospel to the very people who crucified Jesus. The same leaders to whom he cowered and ran off in the garden. And then he went to their courtyard and got scared of their little servant girl. This was just a few weeks before, you know, a month or so earlier. But now he's speaking to them and teaching them the gospel and accusing them of crucifying Christ. Really what he's doing is getting them lost. You remember the message about you got to get them lost so you can get them found? Say, get them lost. Peter's saying, you're responsible for Jesus' death on the cross. We have to help people understand their responsibility in the death of Jesus so that we can get them found. If they're not lost, they won't want to get found. Get them lost so you can get them found. He tells them about Jesus' resurrection and how in his name you can be resurrected too. So he gives them the, he gives them the problem and he gives them the solution. All in that short Little paragraph. Way to go, Peter. <laughs> Man, I bet Jesus is in I bet Jesus had to stand up off his throne. And I, that's my boy. Peter, tell him, Peter. Because I wanted to tell him, but I had to keep my mouth quiet or they wouldn't have crucified me and I wouldn't have, wouldn't have, had to I wouldn't have been able to show him up like I did in the long run. But you tell him, Peter. You go on tell him. I love that. Verse 13. And the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness. Say boldness, boldness of Peter and John. I always give Peter all the credit, but John's doing some of this too. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures. We got any ordinary men or women in here tonight? <laughs> hey, listen, I'm the pastor and I got no special training in the Scriptures. I didn't graduate college. Don't tell nobody. Sunday. <laughs> I hadn't taken one class to do with pastoring. What do they call it? Seminary. I ain't been to no seminary. Don't even know where one is. <laughs> you made enough announcements for one day. <laughs> Look, ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures, and they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. See, that's my qualification. That's my only qualification. I've been with Jesus. And that's all, the only qualification of the disciples. They've been with Jesus. 
They didn't go to pharisaical school, sadduceical school, or whatever you want to call it. They just walked with Jesus. I got saved, I fell in love with Jesus, and I got into his word. And I've been into it ever since. And they recognized them as ordinary people who had been with Jesus. Do people recognize you as someone who has been with Jesus? By your countenance? By the smile on your face? The gleam in your eyes? There's often I can walk into a place and I can see somebody and I know they're saved. I can just say, how long have you been serving the Lord? Oh, I've been serving the Lord. You know, you can just see a pep in their step. Do people recognize that you've been with Jesus? If not, I'm just going to tell you straight up. You probably hadn't been with Jesus much. Lately, at least. You can't have been with Jesus back 1987. <laughs> had a good long year with the Lord. and then You ain't seen him since. That old man's going to come out of the casket. That's the thing. Do people recognize we've been with Jesus? And have we been with Jesus? Verse 14. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and confirmed among themselves. What should we do with these men, they asked each other. We can't deny that they performed a miraculous sign, and everybody in, G in Jerusalem knows about it. They're mad because somebody was healed. That's the logic of the world. They're mad about this now. Everybody knows about it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, you see, that's what they call our gospel message. The world wants to say they're spreading propaganda. Are we spreading propaganda? Because that silences some of us. We say, well, I don't want to be one spreading propaganda. That's what they, called it. they said on the news. We were spreading propaganda. <laughs> well, I looked up propaganda. It says it's information especially of a biased or misleading nature used to promote a political cause or a point of view. That is nothing like the gospel. The gospel is not misleading, it's certainly biased, but it's not misleading and it's not used to promote a political view or a point of view or a political cause. The gospel, on the other hand, is the absolute truth of God. It's used to resurrect people from their spiritual death. I wrote this. The gospel is not propaganda. It's not an ideology. It is the power of God unto salvation to all who will believe. It's a gateway to life everlasting. It is the opening in the veil that God himself rent to allow us to come in and call him Abba Father. The gospel message is not some kind of propaganda. It has nothing to do, Christianity is not just a belief system. It's not a set of rules and regulations. It is the power of God and to salvation to those who hear both the Jew and the Greek, whoever it is. All around the world, whoever hears that message and receives Christ into their heart can come past the veil and enter into eternal life with God Almighty. It's nothing to do with propaganda. It is power unleashed in the darkness of this world. Verse 17, but to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak in Jesus' name again. You see, they recognize the miraculous power in the name of Jesus. How it exposes their darkness, destroys their plans and their evil works. That's why people don't want to hear the name of Jesus. Because they would rather live in darkness and not be exposed. The name of Jesus is such light in it that it brings to light everything in their life. They feel condemned convicted and they don't want to feel convicted because they want to live in their sin they're fighting against their own salvation so they just want to silence the name of Jesus so they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus what if that happens to you 
What if that happens here in America? The government says, that's it. You know, they're spreading this propaganda. What do they call us? They say we're bigoted because we, we tell everybody it's just one way and they want everybody to believe that everybody's ideas are valid, you know. Equally valid, that there is no absolute truth. Whatever you believe, man, if that works for you, you can't tell somebody, no, you, you can't say that there is a truth. What are we going to do? Peter and John replied, I can almost hear Peter chuckling. <laughs> he do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. Why? Because he's a witness. He's a witness for Jesus Christ. A witness tells what he's seen and heard. And he can't stop. He's compelled by the love of God. He is compelled by a higher power. Okay, let me just say this. Are we supposed to obey our authorities here, governing authorities here in America? Absolutely. Do everything you can to stay right with the law. But when the law of man contradicts the law of God, I have to serve a higher power. That's enough said about that. That's all I got to say about that. Verse 21, the council then threatened them further. You know, the devil goes around like a roaring lion. He's just threatening, spewing out lies, trying to intimidate, but he really has no power. The council then threatened them further, but they finally let him go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign and the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. See, prayer is so important. They said, O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth and sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, Why were the nations so angry. Why did they waste their time with futile plans? Don't you see that's what the world is doing? They're just angry. And they're just wasting their time with things that don't matter. And the kings of the earth prepare for battle and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his Messiah. They have chosen a battle that they will never win. In fact, they said, this has happened here in this very city. And we should recognize, too, they recognize that Bible prophecy is happening. They were excited. They looked around and said, those leaders are doing exactly what David had prophesied back in the Psalms. Exactly what he, we're seeing it come to pass in our time. So they recognize prophecy. Can you not recognize prophecy? prophecy happening in our society right now at a record astounding rate things have happened just in the last 10 years that brother Gary can sit up here and talk till the cows come home about about how every all the once Muslim nations around Jerusalem have all shifted and all gotten in, into place just as predicted by the Bible, lining up for end-time events. On a website called reasons.org, it says, unique among all books ever written, the Bible, accurately foretells specific events in detail many years, sometimes centuries before they occur. It's called prophecy, right? It says approximately 2,500 prophecies appear in the pages of the Bible. About 2,500 estimated. About 2,000 of which have already been fulfilled to the letter with no errors. 
you know, the Book of Mormon and the Book of this and all the things that other people follow, they make prophecies, they don't come true, they change the book. This book does not change. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Is the Word of God settled in the heavens. It'll never change. And its prophecies are coming true. And this website that I was reporting from, that article was written in 2003. If 2,000 of them had been fulfilled at that point, I think there must be just a handful left before Jesus breaks through. Comes, gets us. Am I speaking in Mississippi again? Come, gets us. I don't know. It gets me excited. I'm seeing it come to pass. Like breakneck speed. Like things are coming to a head at the end. It's such like a snowball going downhill. For Herod Antipas, back to our scripture, verse 27, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. It was all prophesied. They thought they were doing a new thing. They thought that they were thinking this on their own. But Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen. It had already been told. In verse 29, And now, Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Say boldness. boldness. See, that ought to be our prayer. Lord, give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. He who winneth souls is wise. I want to be wise. Give me great boldness. It's natural for us to feel anxiety about speaking to another person about something so important. But we have to understand that we have the words of eternal life. We have to break through whatever fear, the veil of fear that the devil has placed in front of us. It's a, it's a sham. It's a lie. You can come right through it. Like Dorinda said, that when she went, I mean, she didn't know how it was going to be that first time. How was it? It was awesome. It always is. Every time we go to witness, I'm like, why don't we do this every day? <laughs> every time I call somebody on the phone, every time I text somebody, encourage somebody, every time I get to minister, I never look back and say, I wish I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> I wish I would have listened to the devil. Verse 30, stretch out your hand with healing power. Healing power. These signs shall follow those who believe. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. May he get all the glory in other words. Because there's power in his name and no other. When Jesus sees our boldness, I believe we're going to see his power. I believe when Jesus sees our boldness, he's, we're going to see his power. Because another word for boldness is faith. When he sees that we, we believe, and therefore we declare, and boldness comes upon us, I believe the power is going to be there. When Jesus sees our boldness, I believe we'll see his power. After this prayer, the meeting place shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and then they preached the word of God with boldness. Have you ever seen a prayer get answered so quickly? In verse 29, verse 30, they're asking, Give us, help us to preach the word of God with great boldness. In verse 31, already they're preaching to God with great, uh, the Word of God with great boldness. You want me to show you in hands? Live with no power. Live with power. Just keep going. Blending in with the world. You never experience any of God's power. But if you'll humble yourself 
to a place where God can use you to bring glory to his name and not your own, if you'll love other people and be compelled by that love to act with boldness, I believe we'll see the power of God in our generation, in our time. I have seen it, and I am determined to see it every day of my life. How do we suffer this persecution, though? What do we do when the persecution comes, Pastor? I mean, I'm, I'm not no Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm just a regular guy, you know. I'm just a, a regular girl. I don't like pain. I don't like jail. I don't have the money to pay. You know, what do I do? Well, I can tell you the way Jesus endured persecution and suffering. He said he did it by keeping his eyes on the joy that was set before him. holding not their own life dear to themselves. They were dying to self. They were understanding that this light affliction is but for a moment, but it works for me a far greater weight of glory in the life to come. That whatever pain and suffering I endure here is just, it's just temporary. But it's going to, man, it's going to make heaven so much more wonderful. When I get there, I was, I'm going to say, if I'd have known that, I could go back. I would just live in persecution. <laughs> Why do I say say that? Jesus says in Luke 6, 22. Jesus says this. What blessings await you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man? Blessings? That don't sound like a blessing. But it says when that happens, be happy. Yes, Leap for joy, for your great is your reward in heaven. And remember, their ancestors treated the prophets the same way. Jesus is just trying to help us see they treated the prophets like that. They treated me like that. They're going to treat you like that. You might as well get ready, get ready, get ready. You know, I hear a lot of people are saying, get ready, get ready for financial blessings and all this. Well, get ready to die to self. Get ready for persecutions. Get ready to save up your treasure in heaven. Because you're ready to take it to the next level. I don't want mine here. I want mine where moth doesn't corrupt. Thieves don't break in and steal. I won't mind where I'm going to be forever, not just this temporary life. <sighs> so this fancy truck passes me on the own ramp. Getting off the ramp. Huh? <laughs> this fancy paint job. And then that bed rail just swinging, just about to scratch that paint. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> but then I, you know, try to calm myself and, I'm praying, Lord, what should I do? And the Lord's trying to deal with me, you know. He's saying, you need to tell him. So we get to the first red light, and I pull up beside him. And I'm looking over there, and I just hadn't calmed down enough yet. I'm still kind of mad. And I said, well, I'll get him at the next light. So I'm praying. I'm a jumpy, 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 jumpy. You know, I'm praying in the spirit. I'm... We get to the, to the second light, and a car had got in front of me kind of, and I was kind of, Candy Wappas. Is that a new word? Okay. And I couldn't really get his attention and things wasn't working out, you know. So I, I said, I'll get him at the next light. The next light, by then, all the way down to the next light, I was listening to something on the radio. And I'm sitting there and listening. Oh, that's good. That's good. And good teaching or something, you know. And I look up and the lights turn green. Oh, I forgot to tell that dude. And so I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I repent. I am going to tell him at the next light. So we get up to the next light. That guy's still, rah, 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 you know, driving that big old truck. And he runs right through the red light. Well, I stopped. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't going to chase him through the red light. But I learned something from that. I thought, man, I missed my opportunity to help that guy. First light, I was just too mad to help somebody. Now understand, this, is, this pertains to how we, our desire to spread the gospel. I was just too mad. I didn't want to tell him. He didn't deserve it. 
You see how he's acting? He doesn't deserve that. Well, which one of us did? Right? Okay, the, the next time, I didn't perceive that it was a good opportunity because the car was kind of had me cattywampus, and, and it just wasn't a good time to share, right? Is there ever really a good time? I mean, sometimes God lays it in your lap, but there's a lot of opportunities. God's telling you to do something, and you can make all kind of excuses. Well, I really can't. He can't see me, or my horn ain't working, or whatever it is. I can't tell him right now, Jesus. It's just not a good time. I'll get him the next time. Well, the next time, I'm distracted. I'm not paying attention. How many times have God trying to get our attention, but we're not, we're not listening. We're distracted. And by then, the poor fellow's done run the red light. And he's gone. And I missed my opportunity to share. That's what happens all the time. Poor fellow zipping through life, headed for hell. And we miss our opportunity. The best way to, for us to get through this rush hour traffic down here is to roll down our window and tell somebody of the good news. So what's going to make your life complete? I've been suffering this week a lot of heaviness. I think a lot of people have. In fact, I'll just share with you a moment <clears throat> two things going on in the church right now there's a spirit of heaviness a lot of anxiety in the church pray for one another secondly an attack on our marriages people who've been married 20-30 years in the church are growing apart instead of together right now attacks on the marriages pray for our marriages <clears throat> but I've been feeling you know most of the time I I cast my cares on the Lord and I'm fine, but I've been trying to cast my cares on the Lord lately. I just feel like he, I can't get away it, rid of them. As soon as I lay them down, I pick them back up again. And so for a couple weeks, I've been kind of overwhelmed, you know, and I'm thinking, Lord, why, why aren't you, why can't I cast my cares on you and be free? I know, it, I know it's just all in my mind. I'm just overthinking things. Well, the other day, I just stopped and, all my work and putting sermons together and all that kind of stuff, and I just got on the phone and started ministering to folks, called up folks, started ministering to people, started helping people. And you know what? There it went. There it went. When you get outside of yourself. See, I was allowing all the weights to stay on me because I kept picking, I, the, I was carrying the load. It was all about my stuff. When you make it about other people's stuff, then you can get out from under it. That's just for free. I'm not going to charge you on that one. <laughs> so let me close. What are we going to do with this gospel? We have the words of eternal life. You going to let your light shine or are you going to hide it under a bushel? No. Right? I mean, really. You have the words of eternal life. Are you going to let them shine? Me? I'm more afraid of God than I am man. I mean, I get intimidated by speaking to folks or whatever. And I, I have to break through that fear barrier every time we go to the mall, every time we go door to door, every time I'm trying to, to talk to somebody at Walmart that I don't know or it, however I, God has me minister. I have to break through that barrier every time. But you know what? I owe God so much. And he's worth it. And so I do it because I love him. I'm compelled by love. It overcomes my fear. Are you looking for opportunities to share the gospel? That's your homework assignment. Look for an opportunity to share the gospel. Well, so I, I don't know the whole gospel. I don't know how to explain all the things the way you do, Pastor, or whatever. Well, shame on you. <laughs> you don't know how to say you're lost and dead in sin and trespass, and that Jesus died on the cross to take away your sins, that if you call upon his name, you can be saved. You don't know those basic things after all this time. We've got a cheat sheet in the back. Gives you all the scriptures. We've done everything we know to do to teach you how to just tell somebody 
how to come to Jesus. You can lead them through the sinner's prayer. Just say, Lord, forgive me of my sins and come into my heart and be my Lord. Where was I going with that? I don't know. Or we are looking for opportunities. Okay, so maybe, okay, so say, well, that's, now you made me feel real bad, Pastor. So what do I do? But I, you know, being honest, I don't know how to share the gospel. Well, share what you got. And work on learning the gospel in the meantime. Okay? Share what you got and work on learning to share the gospel with the scriptures and in more detail if you have to. Later, share your testimony. Share a smile. Let people see Jesus in you. You know, a lot of people like to hear that part. Oh, I can do that. I can smile at people. But you know, blessed are the feet of those who come with the good news. You got to tell, if you don't give them the good news, they, you haven't completed the gospel. But start where you're at and learn how to share the gospel. Do both. Even when it's not time to share the gospel verbally, still smile. Let the love of God, the peace of God rule and reign in your heart. Let people see Jesus in you because, you know, they got all kind of wackadoo ideas about who Christians are. We got to show them we're regular people. We're not perfect people. We're people who've been saved by grace. Say, God, give me great boldness in sharing your word. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.